0: For great looking t-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. This is the Chris Smith Show on today's news talk, TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome
1: to the program. It is good to have your company. If you're new to this format, maybe you're new to the show, or you've stumbled in the side or front or back door. Welcome. A very big welcome to you. You're about to hear and experience something that you do not hear in mainstream media. So you've come to the right place for your news and current affairs and very, very strong opinion on the biggest stories in the world. So welcome to you. Do not go anywhere. Well, the Trump momentum is building, especially after his win earlier tonight in the New Hampshire primary. Now, I'm just getting the figures through, but we're looking at a deficit between Trump and Nikki Haley of between 54 to 43%, which most pundits are describing as a very, very comfortable win. And, of course, it was New Hampshire that if Nikki Haley was to um, beat Trump, that was where the primary was supposed to be won. Now they go off to South Carolina where, of course, Uh, Nikki Haley was born. So I would have thought that if South Carolina turns to Trump territory as well, that is the end of Nikki Haley. Although in her concession speech tonight, which didn't look much like a concession speech, she uh, indicated she'd go all the way, which I guess is super Saturday March. I don't know. Now, I've just seen Trump's victory speech too, by the way, and I've got to say he is infatuated with Nikki Haley. I don't know whether that means he's giving her more respect than she deserves. He's certainly not talking in respectful tones, calling her an imposter in the speech, Um, but he should be now turning his attention to Joe Biden, don't you think? I would have thought so. Now's the time to launch the assault and begin that assault until November. Uh, I'll break down the victory with our regular L.A. commentator, the Lion of Liberty himself, Brian McWilliams, who hasn't been with us uh, in 2024 until today. While Trump is flying, poor old Joe, he's kind of crashed and burned again, uh, being unable to physically identify two of his colleagues. Um, But you'll hear all of that. We'll discuss the U.S. government job advert trying to find some counter-Russian spies. This is a true story, and they're very open about it. And the alarmist climate warning about drinking coffee. Yes, if you're a green, green, I don't know, evangelist or an addict, and you think that everything needs to be done to get rid of carbon dioxide, well, you better stop drinking coffee. The morning coffee is a no-no, according to what we've heard at the WEF. Still on the global boiling front, farmers across Europe and now in the UK for the first time are mounting the greatest revolt in living memory over the green fees and restrictions being forced upon them by climate-obsessed governments. They have had a gutful. It started in Holland, as you may know. It flowed through to France and Germany this year, and they've been joined by thousands more in places like Italy, and now uh, in the last 24 hours in Scotland. The mainstream media hate reporting on anything that rubbishes CO2 reductions, but when it's killing your livelihood, they should be reporting it. And I've got to say, the sheer numbers getting out, speaking freely, and expressing their Anger, I think, is more than enough to convince the rest of the media to start reporting on this because the numbers are massive. They can no longer be ignored. Now, it's Cyber Wednesday, and that means Alex Zaharoff-Royt will join us from techadvice.life. He has got plenty to tell us today on the tech front. From the fastest selling device in the world right now, Apple will be very happy, to the new smart format which will bring the Apple-Android duopoly for the very first time in history to an end. That's right. You'll have a third choice. Um, A big segment today, so don't miss that. And by the way, if you, um, you hear Alex and he's got plenty of great information, but he'll also take your calls. So if you've got your eye on any kind of technological device and you'd like a little bit of inside information as to whether you should commit and invest, or maybe you'd like some troubleshooting advice because you are absolutely stuck, as happens to myself so often, too often, Alex will take your calls, all right? You can jump on the talkback lines. Uh, From Eastern Europe, how will Vladimir Putin react, do you think, to news that Turkey will no longer stand in the way of Sweden in their application to join NATO? Now, the last time one of their border neighbours decided to join NATO, well, they declared war. They said it was a special military operation in Ukraine. What will they do now that Sweden has begun the process? From down under today, stand by for the perfume steamroller, the PR guru herself, Prue McSween. She'll be on the program. Uh, We'll be discussing how long Anthony Albanese, the Australian Prime Minister, can continue to tell lies for until they boot him out. And the latest is over stage three tax cuts, which were actually made law in Australia, which is ridiculous. Um, We understand that the renewable targets are now officially unable to be achieved in Australia. It was always fanciful. And, of course, that goes along with net zero, although we've got no official confirmation of that. And the new boss at the ABC, what will he be like? Prue has a little bit of inside information. We'll talk with her. But we have VIP provisions for you to jump on the talkback lines. Yes, you won't need to wait. Uh, you'll be fed grapes. You'll be fanned. You'll be treated like a true VIP. So jump on our talkback lines from the United States and Canada on one 201 6425 Do so from the UK where it's just gone 4 o'clock in the morning. 0 Just because you're an early bird, and just because it's still feeling like it's the middle of the night, you can still participate on our um, talkback line. So do so. And from Australia and New Zealand, it 800 let Let's dive in and get the ball rolling. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network. TNT.
2: Conversations
0: to inform and include.
1: It's
2: meant for everyday people to understand.
1: Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, after three weeks of this new year, the issue of global boiling has had a fair share of headlines. Uh, One of the big current international stories, as I've just mentioned, slowly gaining global mainstream attention, are these truly incredible farmer protests that began in Germany about a week ago and have now sprung up in Romania, France, Poland in the last two days in Italy, and the Dutch are back doing it as well, who they, of course, kicked this off in the latter part of 2023. Of course, with EU elections in June, there couldn't be a better time to stand up and tell governments what they think. Uh, Don't listen to any of the mainstream media because I've been watching and scanning what they've been saying about these protests. Uh, Very few pictures shown, although the pictures are absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But if you start showing those pictures, you give their protest credence. And they don't want to give anything credence that knocks CO2 reductions, because that is blasphemy. Yeah, blasphemy in 2024. But the media says... That there's nothing specific. It's a general protest about a whole range of matters. Wrong, wrong, wrong. This is about fighting global boiling and the fees, restrictions, and levies that have been applied on farmers so that they tow the line and reduce their CO2 output. That's what it's about. Make no mistake, hundreds of thousands of farmers have driven massive convoys of trucks into major European cities to express their anger at green reforms. That's what it's about. Uh, As I say, the pictures from Germany were incredible. Uh, They've had enough of bearing the brunt of imposts, aim at stifling their business, reducing their stock numbers, forcing them to invest more in high-tech soil and pasture systems, and punishing them for using diesel fuel. Now, the so-called fossil fuel transition It is basically punishing farmers more than any in our community, and they are revolting. Their fury has led to highways being blocked and tractor parades clogging arterial roads. They're really making their voices heard. Now, since Dutch farmers took to the streets late last year, their counterparts in other European nations have joined in, and we will see more of this in the days and weeks ahead. In fact, it's now spread, as I said, to Scotland, where Scottish tractors have begun hitting the streets, and no doubt more will follow. The unions are homing in on one major issue. The green transition, they say, is wreaking further havoc for farmers. And the more green taxes and fees are applied to rural operations, well, what happens after that? Your grocery bill goes through the roof if it hasn't done so already. And farmers themselves, well, they collapse they join their you know cousins who've closed down their particular property up the road because they can't do it efficiently and make a profit anymore my colleague here at TNT the climate depots mark barano he put it this way this week on fox
3: If you want to change your agricultural policy, you don't do it overnight, and you don't do it for net zero climate policies. This is the greatest, probably the greatest economy, biggest economy in Europe, and they're watching themselves self, this is a a controlled demolition of the German agricultural sector and their economy due to net zero. Now, we have a history here. We can look at what happened in Sri Lanka, total collapse of the country. The peasants overran the palace when they went to, they changed their agricultural policies in a hurry. the backing of Davos World Economic Forum. We saw what happened in the Netherlands. What happened in the Netherlands very similar to what's happening in Germany. The farmers fought back. Ten thousand plus small family farms were about to go be put out with the new net zero regulations. They formed their own political party in the Netherlands and now they're fighting back in the parliament. So let's see what these these farmers can do in Germany. The tractors are taken over the street. Let's hope they don't pull a Justin Trudeau and declare them domestic terrorists and cut off access to their banking. But, you know, these, these net zero ideologues will do just about anything.
1: Now, there's news about Justin Trudeau and what he did to his farmers in Canada. I'll get to that news a little later in the program. But adding insult to injury for all of these farmers in Europe in particular is the fact that Um, There's the dumping of Ukraine cereals and sugar um, during the war that's going on at the moment, which are pushing prices local farmers can get for similar produce down big time. So that's another addition to what they have to contend with. Some farmers have fallen into line over climate change. They've fallen into line over net zero and expensive adaptation, but expenses have now skyrocketed almost as fast as green tape has in that time frame, Something will give soon because thanks to the pre- present convoys and the numbers, the mood about what's being done to change the temperature of the planet is now getting quite frosty. People are saying enough is enough. You don't do this ad hoc endlessly, no matter what it costs, and drive the livelihoods of farmers into the ground and therefore make our groceries more expensive. They're starting to hit back. And the other global boiling story to gain traction this month in 2024 has been the spurious claim by the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration that 2023 was the hottest year on record. They uh, spoke it from the heights in the first week of January Now, there are a few holes in this alarmist claim, and I think without saying they're wrong, without saying they're right, I think we need to have a few, I think, qualifications with what they are claiming. There's an investigative science writer by the name of Larry Hamlin, and I follow him quite prolifically, and he notes in his scientific blog, What's Up With That?, that at least 58% of the Earth's land surface, surface where 73% of the world's population lives, did not experience the hyped highest ever recorded average temperature. 58% of Earth's land surface surface, and 73% of the world's population. They weren't included in this. Also, 2023 was a very strong El Nino pattern in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, which can't be attributed, of course, to man's emission of CO2. So if you know anything about weather patterns, when you have an El Nino, it gets hotter. You can't blame that on man's or, you know, man-made CO2. And Dr. Roy Spencer from the University of Alabama, an expert in satellite temperature records, says the urban heat effect is responsible for 57% of the warming in the United States. It is ludicrous to discover where some of these weather bureaus record temperatures too. And I noticed from an article I saw in the Skeptic in the UK, there's a Met Office temperature device that they have put halfway down a military runway. Of course, it's going to be hot. But the more we populate, the more we we urbanise and the more we concrete, the more we generate surface heat. So Spencer is right. You should not underestimate the increase in urban heat there's just a few considerations to think about when you hear that statistic that we had the hottest year ever in 2023 just bear that in mind this is tnt tnt's pervoye morich he
2: details factually how russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto um you know the, the the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now they'll they'll have a the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status. Uh, And there's just, you know, you look at the white papers, Moscow and Russia are all in on Agenda 2030, smart cities, algorithm ghetto, digital IDs. For
0: Morich on today's News Talk TNT.
3: Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars. It's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere.
0: To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. If you're still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, the results from the New
1: Hampshire primary are in, as I mentioned, 54 to 43 is about the closest we can get with not all votes counted. New Hampshire was widely regarded as a possible win for Nikki Haley, one of her strongest chances, but in the end, Donald Trump has won the race. President Joe Biden was a clear winner of the Democratic primary with 67% of the vote versus Dean Phillips, his closest rival securing 20 Let's bring in our regular Wednesday guest for the first time in 2024, live from L.A. Brian McWilliams is a communications director of the Libertarian Party, America's third largest political party. He's a native Philadelphian, a comedian, an expert in public relations and communications, and he can be heard on the weekly podcast, The Lines of Liberty, found at thelinesofliberty.com.
2: Brian McWilliams, happy new year to you. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Happy New Year. I think it's going to be an amazing 2024, Chris. I don't know about you, but I have uh, all the optimism in the world, more than I've had in probably the last four to six years, if I'm being honest. I don't know whether it's optimism. I think I'm
1: uh, half optimistic and half pessimistic, but I do know it will be headline news
2: globally like we have never seen for many decades. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's it's funny, you you mentioned... Uh, New Hampshire, you mentioned, of course, Trump now is coming out on top, but by less than I'd like to see, frankly. However, I do think that it's interesting to see that, you know, Trump ends up on top. Nikki Haley, it's a two horse race now. So she benefits for sure from the fact that DeSantis dropped out, that uh, Vivek dropped out. And also that New Hampshire happens to be one of those states where independents do have the ability to go and vote. So, you know, you've got heavy moneyed interest. You've got Democrat interest pushing her and yet still lost to a Donald Trump, um, which I think similar to what we saw in a lot of the major stories shows you that the machine is breaking down that wants to force feed us candidates, narratives, ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's really why. I know you're a little pessimistic, but that's why I think 2024 is going to be one to remember.
1: Okay. Nikki Haley goes to, with Trump, goes to South Carolina. This has got to be her last roll of the dice because this is where she was born and is known. And I just wonder whether at that point does she pull out or does she stay in the race? Because who knows what's going to happen to Donald Trump? And I don't mean to wish him bad, but she got cretins like Alex Soros suggesting that he might be assassinated and others. And, you know, who knows whether it's jailing or whether it's assassination or whether something happens. She's better off staying in the race until she needs and has to pull
2: out, isn't she? Uh, I think that she is probably well, for Nikki Haley's purposes, she has enough backing. I mean, the military industrial complex is in her corner without a doubt. So she's going to have the money. She's going to have funding. She's going to have the anti-Trump money. She's going to have the uh, the GOP that don't want Trump to be running. They're going to see, as we will probably get to talk a little bit later, the people that want Carrie Lake out of the race are probably the same people that are donating to Nikki Haley. She's going to have the money to stay in. The question is going to be whether or not it's going to be a complete death knell for her when it comes to March 5th and Super Tuesday. I personally think it will be. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you still need somebody out there to rah-rah against a Donald Trump. And I think for that reason alone, she will probably stick around until the bitter end. Um, you know, and, and I do think from Nikki Haley's perspective too, if you heard what she had to say, it's not surprising that she's saying, well, you know, we're going to fight to the last one. As I've said- Nikki is a, you know, she will monger till the last war can be fought internationally. <laughs> so, of course, she will fight till the last state is done here simply because she is an egomaniac. She's got a nest to feather here. And the longer she stays in the race, the more prominent she could be, not only in this race, but for future races. And she's got the money. So there's really no pressure on her to drop out at this at this point in time. And the other thing
1: is um, It's not all over for her when it's all over for her. She's the kind of individual with United Nations experience who could end up with an even, not a bigger job than the President of the United States, but certainly a supreme
2: international diplomatic job or post somewhere else in the world. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know if it'll be with, you know, for example, it won't be within the Trump administration. We know that he uh, will view her as an enemy, as a traitor. Uh, but yeah, I could see her getting a job within the United Nations itself. Uh, I could see her being brought in by a high level, let's say, military contractor. And while she won't have the power, per se, to oversee what happens as far as military deployments, she certainly will hold quite a bit of power and put quite a bit of stray- sway with these international governments. Yeah.
1: Now, while President Trump has gained even more momentum out of New Hampshire, uh, if he didn't have enough out of um, the first primary, on Monday, over on the other side, the confused president of the US uh, perhaps made one of his worst blunders. Um, It wasn't just a name. Um, He appeared to eye off two of his colleagues and name them, but the problem was he was naming two people that he wasn't watching. Now, if, I hope you understood what I said. He was watching and, and picking out from the crowd. I, I guess the the best way to do it is you've got to go and see the video, but he was basically, he couldn't tell the difference between the Homeland Secretary, uh, Alessandro Miorcas, and Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Bakira. Bakira wasn't physically in attendance but said, there he is, there he is. Now, I don't know whether... He was just trying to pretend he was there. I don't know why he would do that. Uh, uh, maybe he didn't want to be seen to be. Oh, I don't know where he is. Uh, that would be really well, it, giving him the benefit of the in, doubt.
2: Inclusivity, right? It's all these Democrats. It's inclusivity, Chris. You have to include everybody, even if they're not there, even if they probably people that don't even work for the Biden administration, <laughs> he wants to include. <laughs> uh, we already know he grew up in uh, Delaware with the president of the Philippines or you know, <laughs> one of those. Right. So let's not forget that. But it's gotten to the point now where you know, similar to the way they start NFL games or soccer games, they run all the players out on the field and they've got the names on the jerseys and the numbers. The Biden administration should start doing that. They should start having jerseys, names on the back, numbers (laughs) on the front. And that way Biden can easily identify them. You've got the names right there. You can have you know, we can have a little cheat card with the number on it. You know, well, we'd like to thank number 13 for his efforts out there in the field today. He really put together some solid uh, bill proposals. Well done on the border. You know, that way there's no problems. That's what I would be doing if I was Biden administration. Exactly. uh, Especially during the campaign when he's
1: (laughs) he's meeting all of these Neville nobodies uh, and these people he doesn't know the name of. They'd better off have a big number on the back of their suit so he can actually declare that I'm here
2: to support (laughs) this candidate. Right. It's exactly, you know, keep it easy on the guy because he's barely holding it together as we've seen. And, uh, you know, if, if I've seen coaches, let's say I've seen coaches coach well into their nineties, knowing nothing. I mean, I went to Penn state, Joe Paterno was 90. I literally saw the man sprint across the field because he had to go to the bathroom to do a certain thing. If Joe Paterno could keep coaching at that age, Joe Biden could do it too. They just have to take a lesson from that notebook. You're very kind. Uh, Donald Trump has been busy um, prior to this
1: uh, campaigning for New Hampshire. And I wanted to just uh, rewind the tape back to when, uh, just before the vote, and when he had something to say about the Middle East. Have a listen to his comments on the Middle East.
3: Now we're getting involved again in the Middle East. Look what's happening you're getting involved. Here we go again with the Middle East. We spent $9 trillion, killed millions of people, including our side, their side, millions of people. $9 trillion. You know what we got? Nothing. Nothing. You got death, you got blood, you got nothing. And it just, we spent our blood and our treasure, as they say. Our blood and our treasure. And our blood is more important than our treasure. And it's a shame. It's a shame
1: the vast majority of americans i believe will concur with what he just said but the military-industrial
2: complex will be shaking in their boots this is the concern i have when you have somebody like a nikki haley and this is why in a way, New Hampshire scared me a little bit because I thought Donald Trump would have won by more than he did because Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, when you hear Trump say these type of statements, this is why you will have some people from my party say, I will vote for a Donald Trump because you're talking about, uh, I mean, systematic Invasions of countries. You're talking about the potential for nuclear war. You're talking about the potential for this to get out and to to uh, you know go beyond containment of the Middle East, which is a very very real possibility. When you have a Nikki Haley situation going against this, she is talking about how we must support Israel at all costs. We must go against Iran. How Iran has its fingerprints in every single uh, action taken in there. In addition to this, she's building on top of it and saying we have to view China as an enemy. They are mobilizing their people for war. Now, Donald Trump, for all his warts, I will give credit—he does seem to want to keep us out of wars. You've seen this in the past. You've seen this with his refusal to uh, to to bomb Syria, for instance. Uh, there are reasons. To believe that Donald Trump is an enemy of the military industrial complex. And yes, I do think that they should be afraid, but that's why Nikki Haley will stay in this race, as we discussed earlier, because all the money will be going towards support Nikki Haley. That's very
1: accurate analysis. I've got to take a break for news. We'll come back with you, Brian, for in just a short moment. But Warwick sums up the situation with Joe Biden. He basically says on our chat box on tntradio.live, Warwick, thank you for this. Put Joe Biden back on the courtesy bus, please. Love it, Warwick. Thank you. This is TNT.
0: Now, news for you. Give me the news. Give it to me. Give me the news.
1: TNT Radio News. <laughs>
0: Newsflash.
1: Matt boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The United States has launched retaliatory airstrikes against Iranian backed militias in Iraq in response to increased attacks against US forces in the region. The White House has defended its decision to sue the state of Texas for trying to stem the flow of illegal immigrants by securing the southern border. And NATO has put in an order for $1.2 billion worth of artillery shells as it seeks to replace those that the bloc has sent to Ukraine.
0: We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, this is TNT Radio. It is good to have your company.
1: Brian McWilliams is my guest right now. Brian, I had a few things to say at the start of the program about a couple of stories that are making quite huge global news in terms of global boiling including the fact that 2023 was apparently, allegedly, the hottest year on record, although I just wanted to put that in some kind of context, which I tried to do. But the other big story, and very, very optimistic and encouraging, is the fact that farmers are putting their arms around their fellow farmers from around the world, both in the UK and Europe at least, and standing up against all the tariffs and the fees and the you know the 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 various imposts they've had to juggle because they are copying the brunt of green reforms
2: yeah well i'll tell you what if i'm some of these governments if i'm the government in germany if i'm the government in some of these nordic nations i'm afraid because frankly sri lanka we look what happened with there that was a farmer's resolution the uh, revolution excuse me that yep. led to the government of that cl- uh, country collapsing if you're looking at the main food sources for your country, if you're looking at the uh, the breadbasket for your nation, and as you said, which is being undercut by Ukrainian imports, when you've got these farmers that are taking a stand publicly, uh, these are people that, you know, even I'd say in the laptop class, you view farmers as one of the ancient classes, one of the salt of the earth classes, one yes. of the indicators that your society will succeed and fail because people know that wh- where their food comes from, is going to dictate whether or not they survive. Mm -hmm. The farmers' protests are going to be potent, and it will, without a doubt, be shaking these governments. And I do want to say something, too, just by the way, about this entire global warming, global cooling thing, how they're saying it's the hottest on record. I'll tell you right now, in the United States, it is frigid. It's uh, one of the coldest weather, you know, we... I'm sorry, winters we've had here in California. I I had mentioned to you before the show started, my parents were just here. They flew back to Florida and guess what they need to avoid right now in Florida, Chris, because it's so cold. They have to avoid falling lizards, frozen iguanas. (laughs) I swear, frozen iguanas. They've got the weather reports you can see in Florida. It says it's either got the iguana standing up or on its back. And right now it's been so cold that people've got to keep their heads on the swivel and their umbrellas open because you've got frozen iguanas falling from the sky so, <laughs> oh. so there's there's your indicator you know maybe the uh maybe the the uh, United States Astronomical Society or the uh the Atmospheric Societies should take an iguana break before they make these <laughs> assessments an iguana measurement <laughs> <laughs> that's right that tells me That it's
1: not uh, uh, one-way traffic when it comes to climate. Okay, I want to get back to politics now. An audio recording, uh, which has now gone public, and it's a little bit dodgy to hear, so we won't play it, but it reveals the extraordinary moment when what appears to be Arizona's top Republican official, Jeff DeWitt, tried to bribe pro-Trump candidate Kari Lake not to run in the state's Senate race. Quote, there are very powerful people who want to keep you out. He told her in a conversation recorded at the start of March last year and went on to suggest that Kari Lake could take highly paid corporate positions instead of running for Congress. While Kari made clear at the time she could not be bought, what does
2: the recording now being public tell us, Brian? Well, I think it tells you everything that you already knew. Um, This is one more example, I think, of not only... The political system being exposed, the political system that has been in opposition of Trump, the political system that is in opposition of any independent thinking candidate, any candidate that does not go along, play ball, want to essentially live within the cogs of the machine. It is exposing that fact and it's letting everybody know that exactly what you suspected is true. Now, the beauty of this too, again, tying into my my overarching theme here of 2024, is that This information may or may not have gotten out before because he was also offering her talking head gigs, not only board gigs, but mainstream media gigs is what it sounded like to me. Now, in the past, you may have had this, this content, maybe MSNBC would have run it, I doubt if Fox would have, but we are now in an era where this is gonna spread like wildfire. This is now has the potential, no matter how powerful DeWitt is, this has the potential to almost instantaneously take him out at the knees and also tell anybody else that's trying to work within these corrupt circles, this could be your future. You better watch what you do. You better watch what you say because we have the technology and we have the uh, information spreading capabilities within our technological atmosphere here to bring you down. So, I mean, this is, it's fantastic to see and it should surprise nobody. Yeah. Always
1: presume that everything you say is recorded and that is the safest place to be. Um, here's a comment from one of our viewers, River, who I think is based in uh, Northern UK. I think he's from Scotland. But anyway, River says, I think we're all hiding away from the wind. I didn't even know our farmers were gathering. I had to hear it from Australia, in other words, from myself. (laughs) It gives you an indication, Brian, you know, mainstream media don't want to jump on the farmer's bandwagon. They don't want to go against them because, as you rightly point out, uh, they're salt of the earth. You don't get stuck into farmers because they feed us all. And, uh, you know, by sheer personality, they're wonderfully laid back Uh, constructive people. But isn't it funny the mainstream media won't report on what are wonderful pictures for a start at an incredible protest against this infatuation with stopping CO2 emissions?
2: Yeah. Well, half of what we saw leading into the entire Russia collusion narrative, the entire election narrative, the entire COVID narrative, it wasn't just what they reported on. As you mentioned, it's what they decided not to report on. Yeah. That is so much more powerful in many ways, because if they report on it, look, even if they do a negative story, if they try to attack, like, for example, I was just talking on my show about how Klaus Schwab attacked libertarians, that's that's an indicator that they are afraid. That's an indicator that now they have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They ma- they'd much prefer to ignore libertarianism. They'd much prefer to ignore the farmers' protests because as soon as you have to address it, now you have to debate it. Yeah, And it's out in the public mind. And now it's within the public sphere and people are discussing it at their tables, on their radio shows. They're discussing it when they're dropping their kids off at school. And that's the greatest fear to them. That's why they do not in any way want to cover it. Because once that dialogue's opened, Now it's a problem that has to be addressed. Yeah, exactly. All right, the US Central Intelligence
1: Agency has released a Russian language video to try to persuade Russian intelligence employees, spies, to switch sides and work as double agents for Washington.
2: (laughs) How is that? It's fairly,
1: um, it's, it's stark, it's unrepentant,
2: and it's right out there, isn't it? I mean, I I give them credit in a way. You know, the funniest thing, Chris, when you guys shared the story with me, because I was reading this this through, the thing that really cracked me up was the CIA saying, well, if it didn't work, we wouldn't have made the third one. This is the third one we're doing. I mean, I, I. I give them credit. It it I guess it's working. I guess they're out there getting getting Russian spies in there. I don't know what the information's gonna be. I don't know if it's gonna be any good from these these broad-based uh, you know TV ads or radio ads are gonna be running. How many how many high-level Russian spies? are just sitting around that are actually going to be taking this content in, is really a question. I guess they're running it on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> Pardon me. I, I just don't think there's many spies on Twitter. They're going to be of high value to the CIA. But what do I know? They haven't recruited me, so clearly I'm low value. This. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking to myself, how would I go
1: being a spy? I think this is an interesting profession. Uh, Ah, uh, increasing crime in America is forcing businesses to close in many uh, many areas. This gets to your neck of the woods. Oakland, California, is a case in point, with uh, In and Out Burgers' announcement this week to close its Oakland restaurant in a few weeks. Why is this the case? Why is this case significant? Do you think?
2: Uh, I am telling you this. Now you've seen Nordstrom close their flagship store in uh, San Francisco. You've seen Whole Foods. You've seen Walgreens and CVSs flee major cities. Yeah. Nothing is going to have the magnitude of impact as the closing of In N Out Burger. Now, Chris, I don't know if you've ever been to California. I don't know yes, if any many of listeners out there. Okay. So have you been to In N Out Burger? No. Okay. It is. In-N-Out Burger should be on the California flag. I'm telling you. People (laughs) take pride in it to such an extent. It's a tourist attraction. People here live and die by it. They take more pride in In In-N-Out Burger than they do in their flag, in their (laughs) national park system. I'm telling you, the fact that this In-N-Out Burger is going to close in a major airport, in a major city, is going to rattle Democrats. If there's one thing that can get Gavin Newsom out of california and change the entire paradigm of our political system it is the closing of an in-and-out burger that's how important these are culturally to our system here in california people line up for 50 60 cars deep daily to eat this burger well gee if something so iconic
1: something so culturally important as you say without mocking it um really is an economic indicator and an economic indicator that the governor has got it wrong
2: exactly right and people are going to say if you take away that if this situation's gotten so dire because the people at the in-and-out burger they're saying their cars were getting robbed people are getting robbed waiting in line to get their burgers you're seeing uh people get their uh you know their their goods stolen as they're waiting to go into the in-and-out burger If we've achieved this level of homelessness, of lawlessness, of criminalization that has essentially been legalized because it's under a certain amount considered petty crime, people are going to wake up because you say you can't mess with that. If it's gotten so bad where the thing I care about, my favorite thing to eat is being closed down because your incompetence, your ignorance, and your ignoring of the dangers of a situation that you created through these terrible policies... Things have got to change, and that's what's going to happen. It should terrify California politicians more than anything else that has literally happened in this state in a very long time.
1: Which automatically takes me to a statement made in Davos. UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, made this remark last week speaking at the WEF's annual Davos Summit.
2: As a politician, I look at the big problems that we face. For example, when we have the next pandemic, We don't want to have to wait a year before we get the vaccine. And if AI can shrink the time it takes to get that vaccine to to a month, then that is a massive step forward for humanity.
1: Let's make vaccines over 30
2: days, Brian. What could go wrong? You know, I mean, it's one of those things where what couldn't go wrong really seems to be the question here. I mean, if you're talking about mass production of AI based now let's not forget, we got into COVID. We got into the entire lockdown situation because of essentially AI. We got into because of computerized models utilizing what was at the time the most advanced AI as far as projecting the way this disease would spread. So we were locked in our homes for years. And now they're telling us that we should trust the same AI, the same projections in order to create vaccines to put into our bodies based on no real world testing. And yet we should stockpile these things in advance as well. Let's not forget, stockpile in advance so that they can roll out with utmost urgency. That sounds like an invitation for what could literally be a pandemic created by the AI vaccine. I mean, a. A uh, world-ending doomsday scenario is what that sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, it does. A- absolutely. And I hope the fact that the booster shots are now being taken, and I think it's a little less than 10% at the moment, which is a long way from 90-odd percent, Um Can I just suggest that maybe the public has woken up and definitely won't cop being told they've got to take a vaccine or they lose their job, especially a vaccine that's manufactured by AI in less than 30 days?
2: Absolutely. I think we're at that point. I mean, I think it's even less of an uptake from what I've seen, the most recent booster numbers. And what really excites me as well is that among children, because they're still saying boost your children, you know, get your children vaccinated. It's something I, I mean, like one percent. So people are turning the corner on that and realizing that they've been sold a false bill of goods that's probably more dangerous for them than it is just go through and fight the fight, let their bodies go ahead and overcome what this is naturally and develop a natural immunity that's probably going to be stronger anyway. Yeah, spot on.
1: I've left the best to last to you, um, which is very important. So for those of you who are doing something whilst you're listening, stop what you're doing, put it down, this is very important. (laughs) And it's amazing how much utter nonsense comes before, you know, a forum like the WEF and the technocrats actually drive these ridiculous warnings. But here's a technocrat. This is what Swiss banker and World Economic Forum agenda contributor Hubert Keller had to say.
3: Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 tonne of CO2 per tonne of coffee. So we should all know that this is, every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2
2: into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because
3: most of the coffee plantation or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture, and, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. Um, the quality of these nature assets is uh, deteriorating quite rapidly.
1: This is where carbon dioxide hating evangelism becomes moronic,
2: Brian. <laughs> well, it's like I was talking about with In-N-Out Burger. When you attack people's coffee, you're attacking something that people worldwide look forward to on a daily basis. Yes. And Chris, I don't know about you, when I drink coffee, it makes me have to do something. You know, this guy apparently doesn't need the coffee for it to come out of his mouth. Yes. The same thing that. The same thing that coffee makes come out of me. This guy, he he can do it, just breathe in an air and spews it everywhere, man. Uh, It's unbelievable. I mean, what what can't these people? It's like they literally are seeking out things. They say, what can we attack that people really enjoy and try to take that away from the very basers? But again, good. Good. I like that they're talking about it. The dumber the things they say, the more exposed they are. And I'm telling you, I made this claim. I think the WF is going to stop airing these videos because they're so stupid. They're going so beyond the pale that now it's just open for ripe mockery, for derision, and for people to shake their heads and go, these people are psychopaths. Psychopaths, indeed.
1: That guy is a moron. I'll leave you with it. Thank you very much for your time. It's great to catch up once again. We'll do it again next week, mate. Wonderful to see you, sir. Talk soon. Thank you. Uh, the Lion of Liberty himself, Brian McWilliams, who we always enjoy having on the program. And uh, he will join us again next Wednesday. Well, next time on the program when we can get him on maybe Maybe an added extra earlier in the week, depending on what happens. Brian McWilliams. We'll take a quick break and uh, quite happy to take your calls on our open line. You know the numbers. If you don't know them, put them in your phone, put them on your fridge, put them somewhere where you can grab them automatically. From the US or Canada, one 888 201 From the UK, 33 1026 And from Australia and New Zealand, one 800 670 310 This is Chris Smith on TNT.
0: While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
3: The challenges our planet's
2: animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy.
3: The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud,
2: just absolutely mud. The country has been in prolonged for drought so long. It was like a kinder waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home.
0: All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So uh,
3: Okay.
2: And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time search IFA.org forward slash disaster ready.
0: Thanks for listening and being a part of the Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, facial hair
1: update. Um, As you can see, I'm still pretending I'm on holidays, which is what many people do, as I've always done. When you come back from holidays, you usually got a big three-day growth at least, maybe even a week long growth, and then you start shaving it off and thinking, I'll just leave some of it on. That's what I did. Beryl sent me an email last week, as you may have heard, and said, get it off. And then I had all of these people both on the chat box and on the talkback line saying, don't. Stand firm. Stand and and wear with pride that facial hair. Well, over the weekend, my, uh, my daughter had a say, and I thought she put it rather well. She thought I looked younger with it on. I think it makes me look older. But if she reckons I look a little bit younger, given the fact that I'm getting a lot older, I'm prepared to go with her. So listen, it's not forever, but it stays for the time being. Well, Beryl has sent me another email today. Here's the update. Dear Chris, I prefer no facial embellishments. (laughs) Is it an embellishment? It's not an embellishment if it's factual. Uh, On your clean-shaven face, you used to have. I have already been censored with these comments. Very disappointing. You haven't been censored. You're never going to be censored on TNT, Beryl. You keep sending these advisories, whether it be about facial hair or about politics or about anything else, you're quite uh, invited to do. So forget about censorship. There'll be no censorship here. But that doesn't mean I have to do as I'm told. I take advice from a team of people in my life, um, and usually make the decision on my own, which sometimes screws up. Uh, but my daughter said, keep it for a while. So for the time being, Beryl, it'll stay, all right? I might trim it up a little bit when I can learn how to do that, and uh for the time being, it stays. All right, I mentioned at the start of the show, I wanted to tell you about what Vladimir Putin might do when he discovers that Sweden is a major step closer to becoming a part of NATO. Now, this is a story from AP out of Ankara, Turkey. Turkish legislators on Tuesday endorsed Sweden's membership into NATO. They were standing firmly against it for reasons that I still don't fathom but they've lifted a major hurdle on the previously non-aligned countries' entry into the military alliance. Lawmakers ratified Sweden's Ascension Protocol 287 to 55, with ruling party members saying the Nordic country's toughest stance on Kurdish militants was key to winning approval. President, uh, Erdogan also previously has linked the ratification to Turkey's desire to buy fighter jets from the US. There's your trade-off. No doubt there was a promise behind the scenes that all of a sudden Turkey would get some fighter jets and they now no longer have an objection to Sweden. Isn't it interesting? Money speaks all languages. It even speaks Turkish. The ratification comes into effect after its publication in the official Gazette, which was expected to be SWIFT. Hungary then becomes the only NATO ally not to have ratified Sweden's ascension. Now, according to the Swedish Prime Minister, he uh, wrote on X, today we are one step closer to becoming a full member of NATO. Um, In Washington, US National Security Advisor Jake Sutherland, Sullivan, welcomed the news, saying having Sweden in the alliance will make it safer and stronger. Whatever happened to this promise when the breakup of the USSR occurred that there wouldn't be an encroachment by NATO into neighbouring countries around that formerly known USSR, but certainly on the borders of Russia? Whatever happened to that agreement? This is part of the reason why there's a war in Ukraine right now, because NATO and the United States couldn't keep their agreements. But it's on again. Uh, NATO member Turkey had been delaying Sweden's membership for more than a year, accusing the country of being too lenient toward groups that Ankara regards as security threats. It sought concessions from Stockholm, including moves to counter militants. Turkey also had been angered by a series of demonstrations by supporters of outlawed Kurdish or Kurdistan Workers' Party or PKK in Sweden, as well as Koran-burning protests that uh, upset Muslim countries. Sweden in the past was a center in Europe for the PKK um so that is obviously well that has been brokered somehow between Stockholm and Ankara and so there's no um there is no uh, barrier to them becoming a part of NATO uh, Sweden pledged deeper cooperation with Turkey as well on counterterrorism, as well as support for Turkey's ambition to revive its EU membership bid. So they've actually gone to a great deal of trouble to try and uh, encourage Turkey to vote for them. They have. Hungary is the only standout member. Hungary is the only standout member. But when you've only got one standout in a party of NATO members, um, you're probably going to get through what you need, which is membership to NATO, and then what for Vladimir Putin. From Chicago, a man suspected of shooting and killing eight people in suburban Chicago this weekend was related to most of the victims we now discover. This is what authority said on Tuesday a day after the 23-year-old fatally shot himself during a confrontation with law enforcement in Texas. The Illinois authorities provided a clearer timeline of the shootings on Tuesday, saying they believe all eight people killed and a ninth person wounded were shot on Sunday and Romeo Nance fled the area by that evening. But they told reporters there is no evidence of a motive yet for the killings. We can't get inside his head, is what police have said. We just don't have a clue as to why he did it, but they believe Nance first shot seven people at two relatives' homes in the city of Joylet on Sunday, and then fired randomly at two men, one outside an apartment building and another on a residential street. Members of his own family. Boy, oh boy. Now, coming up next hour on the program, plenty coming your way, Prue McSween, the perfume steamroller is ready and raring to go and has a lot to say. She might even have her view on where to now for Nikki Haley and of course Donald Trump. And we'll also talk to her about a prime minister who can't do anything but lie and the Australian public won't put up with a lying leader. Um, This is not a good sign for the Labor government in Australia. All that, and we'll catch up with Alex Daharoff-Royce too and talk uh, cyber and technology. Lots of big news there as well. This is TNT.